This podcast is sponsored by Hey You, the home of the Housewives, with every episode and every season of The Real Housewives available to stream or download. You can head over to heyyou.com and get yourself a free trial. And after that, it is only $5.99 a month, which is like the price of a cup of coffee. Plus, there is no commitment. You can cancel any time. I know January is duvet day time. You might want to take one of those for yourself just to get, you know, into the swing of things in the new year. Don't worry. Hey You has you covered. On Mondays, you will get new episodes of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Thursdays, the OGs of the OC, Real Housewives of Orange County, is back. And on Fridays, we will turn the heat up even in January with the return of The Real Housewives of Miami. That is a really stellar lineup of our faves. I think we have plenty to look forward to, even in January. That is the power of Heyu. So head over to heyu.com now and try it out for free. Hello and welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back for another brand new episode for a special episode that is not housewives themed, but is a look back on the year that was in pop culture with my good friend Holly Shortall, of course, who I did the podcast Popsessed with a couple of years ago, where we talked about pop culture every week and we got into all kinds of hot topics. So we did this last year and we said we'd do it again. We'd look back on some of the big stories that stood out to us this year. Now, it's by no means an exhaustive list because so much stuff went down in pop culture this year. So we just zoomed in on a few big stories that we were obsessed with. And we share some things that we loved in pop culture, like TV shows and music and that kind of thing that we loved in 2022 as well. The Housewives Chats will be back next week, but I'm very excited for you to hear this now. And consider it my little Christmas gift to you. So here she is again. It's Holly Shortall on Housewives and Me. So today, in a very, something special for the Christmas season, I am joined by a good friend of mine who is an activist, a writer, a marketing queen, and of course, my one-time co-host of the podcast, Popsessed, Holly Shortall. Welcome back to Housewives and Me as our second annual year in review Christmas special thingy. (laughs) I know. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Now, we're not getting into Real Housewives today because you are far classier than I am and have not... (laughs) Have not been in that world this year, but that's also good because we've had plenty of chats about it on this show. So it's probably good to to touch on some different topics this time. Yeah, definitely. It's not, um, I'm not obsessed with housewives, we'll say. <laughs> You're not obsessed with housewives. <laughs> so what we're going to do today is chat about a few stories from the year that kind of stood out to us. Like we're not going to go into crazy detail because it's the end of the year. It's more just things that stood out to us, what we think about them because every so often a story would break this year and I think you and I would both be like oh, imagine we had the podcast now and talk about that and sometimes I was yeah. glad we didn't because I was like oh I don't have to deal with talking about that every week it's so depressing um so we'll kind of just run through a couple of stories of the year that we loved and then we'll wrap by uh talking about some things from 2021 that we love but before we do that how are you doing I know people are still obviously obsessed with you on Twitter so they know what you're up to but how has this year been for you oh god what a question well it's gone so fast right like even I feel like Halloween was two weeks ago and it's Christmas in nine days so the year has been an absolute bit of a mad one I think we all 
you know, thought that the pandemic was going to end when the, the the clock struck midnight on New Year's Eve. 2020. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> it's going to be my year. I was like, for who? Yeah, for who? I know, I know. And it's just turned into, you know, very much so the same, I think, as, as 2020. So it's been a bit of a mad one. Um, you know, I've just been pretty much at home the whole time. I went to maybe one or two gigs when I kind of felt like, you know, I was in a position to do so. But other than that, I haven't had any major life updates except for getting a dog. (laughs) So we have her six months this week, next week, actually, um, a little Wanda uh, who's named after Wanda from WandaVision. Um, And yeah, so it's been a bit mad half the year kind of getting used to her. But um, she's been very good for us, very good for my mental health and well-being to, you know, get out of the house twice a day. Mm. I was averaging about 250 steps for the first six months of the year. And now I'm doing like, you know, six, seven, eight thousand a day. So I'm feeling so much better for having that reason to get out. And I know you're you're a big fan of walking and getting out there and going for a run. So you know yourself how beneficial it can actually be if you're having a bit of a meltdown. And also that because I was I stayed with you recently and I got to meet the legendary Wanda with my own two eyes and she's a beaut. But it's also a thing. I think dogs are just great company. And we forget that particularly when you couldn't see people like having a dog is like a way to like I know it sounds stupid, but like a dog is going to hang out with you and come over and check in on you and they need it. They also need attention, need feeding and walking. So they kind of keep you going without even realizing. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you have to get up at, you know, half seven, eight, feed them, bring them for a walk before work. See if it's just that little bit of structure and that kind of bit of routine, I think, has, has just done us the world of good. Um so we just love her so much. So that's kind of the biggest thing that's really happened to me this year. Obviously, I I, I left a job, my job that I'd moved over here and started and I'm working somewhere else now. And I had a bit of time off in between. I had a couple of weeks off that I really needed. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's just been it's just been kind of boring, which I think is great why we're doing this podcast now today because I think when you look back at the kind of pop culture stuff that was Mm -hmm. not very boring it was a big year so I'm so glad we're getting together to to have a chat today yeah same I think let's get into it because we we don't have tons of stories but I feel like what we've chosen is juicy so we'll get into our first topic which like is something that has obviously been around for like ages and like we would have talked about it on pop says I remember we did a proper deep dive into it in one episode I remember it was one of those episodes I was like Jesus we were talking about that for ages but obviously we're talking about Britney Spears who kind of never left the conversation this year but it's funny when you look at the timeline like it was really from early this year on it felt like her story was everywhere so I mean the conservatorship people could not stop talking about it all year we were obsessed yeah definitely and you know what Part of me kind of thought, you, you know, um, at sometimes that it was gone a bit mad. It was kind of gone a bit too, you know, over the top and stuff. But I think in in hindsight, I think that that pressure, that global platform that the conservatorship got and when all these details started kind of pouring out about how actually horrific um, Britney's life has been for the last, you know, two, two decades, like, you know, in and around, I think people who maybe wouldn't have even really you know been a Britney fan or you know really paid much attention to it kind of sat up and was like hang on a sec like you know even my dad for example was just like this is insane I can't believe that this poor girl has been put through this and the thing is like she's not a girl is she she's 40 almost and you know she's a grown woman and she's a mother and you know she's about to get married and I just think it's amazing that this is 
all this pressure and all these amazing people that you know she employed to work and uh, go to court it actually worked yeah I mean that's the thing about the Britney story like I as a as a long-term fan I think I kind of thought she would never be out of the conservatorship not because I wanted her to be in it but just I felt like I felt like she had kind of she was stuck in it forever and all the stories we were hearing about how conservatorships usually are introduced in someone's life later on in their life so they're very hard to get out of because they're not designed to be wrapped up so obviously the cliff notes version is 2008 after kind of a very what seemed to be a republic meltdown or some kind of mental health issues so meltdown is probably a slightly unfair way to, to frame it but like a public struggle that we had some insight into or at least saw unfold publicly in some way her family stepped in put a conservatorship in place to kind of take control of her affairs and at first her career returned to form she was making loads of money she toured the world played vegas there were certain hardcore fans myself included where we kind of go some years we'd be like mm, it doesn't seem like she's into this but like for the most part we assumed everything was fine and then in recent years a vegas residency was pulled her dad reportedly had to go in for health things she went to a treatment facility it basically cracks started emerging around 2019 mm-hmm. into this whole thing and as you say at first it felt like it was you know fans of podcasts and instagram accounts analyzing everything and it felt a little bit conspiracy theory-esque yes but then in february of this year we saw the documentary framing britney spears which is a good documentary but also i think if you're a fan it's nothing you didn't know and i don't mean that in a rude way it's just i think it was a way of getting the casual consumer or someone who hasn't thought about it to realize just how poorly she'd been treated and it did by the media in terms of just her career and then also the allegations around the conservatorship and then obviously in June of this year is when things really like kicked off in a big way because Britney was able to you know basically long story short Britney was petitioning to have hearings and kind of court dates around the conservatorship to try and end it or change her dad's involvement at the very least so in June she kind of phoned into the courthouse to to remotely deliver a testimony about the conservatorship which was just a, we were hearing in her words, which felt really powerful, but B, what she was saying was just so shocking, like claiming that there was an IUD put in her body so she mm-hmm. couldn't get pregnant. She wanted to have more kids and um, and marry her then boyfriend, Sam Asghari, who thankfully she's now engaged to, you know, just talking about how her father in particular seemed to relish controlling her and, mm-hmm. and the power he had over her. Like, it was shocking. I mean, I don't know how you felt because... I didn't listen to all of the testimony because it kind of leaked and I felt ethically it was a bit dicey. So I remember I read a transcript because you can read court transcripts like legally, that's fine. But I I only listened to a bit of the audio because I couldn't, I found it very hard to listen to. Yeah, no, definitely. A lot of it was very difficult to listen to. And I think what really struck me was the the kind of wider involvement of the rest of the family. Um, I think that really kind of shocked me because so she's been, she's been, what's the word like she, she's basically had tape around her mouth hasn't she for so long yeah. like she's been muted and um been unable to say anything about any of this situation pretty much and I think what really struck me was you know when she kind of spoke about how her family her family not her dad her family were using her as an ATM you know and and all this money she was earning she was barely seeing a penny of it like she was getting you know essentially pocket money that a child would get she wasn't allowed to drive. She hadn't, she wasn't able to take cash out of a, a, a bank machine. Like mm-hmm. it's just, and as you mentioned, like various different, you know, being forced to take contraceptives and stuff when she didn't want to. Uh, it's absolutely flabbergasting that it was allowed to go on so long. And it's also that thing where, you know, her Instagram account was a source of so much speculation last year. Some people felt like it was really her 
expressing herself. Some people felt like it wasn't being written in her voice or they were editing the videos to make her look quote unquote unhinged. I think maybe the truth is that she's just a bit of a, a goofball. And so it contrasts with the image we had of her previously. But hearing her voice in that testimony in June she was so clear and strong and like this is what's happened this is where I'm going mm-hmm. like I'm on her kind of saying you know I wasn't good I was great like her acknowledging that like when she was at the peak of her powers as a pop star and she could still get back there you know if she wants to and that's the key phrase here I suppose like just this idea that she has this inner resolve and this inner strength that like she has been probably relying on for years while biding her time and hoping that people would kind of hear her please I mean it was just I was really struck by it I, even thinking about it now it's kind of emotional to this because obviously we don't know Britney Spears but like yeah she's someone we grew up with and we have this kinship towards and she spent 13 if not 14 years you know in this really unimaginable situation yeah definitely and and I I, I recently um did a couple of guest columns for the Sunday Business Post and I, I wrote one just after you know because I think this news and then obviously Paris Hilton got married and it came it came out that Lindsay Lohan was engaged and she mm-hmm. was um she was going to be uh she's acting again she's going to be in a Christmas film last year and I kind of wrote an article about that 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 era you know people were kind of talking about how thrilled they were that these three women were kind of back on track per se you know and and in very good places in their lives in contrast to kind of where they had been when they were like vilified um in the media and I remember you know the New York Post referred to them as the three bimbos of the apocalypse and like they were just young ones on a night out like you know what I mean but just the damage that was done in in during that decade um it's not surprising that people like Britney Spears would be you know uh would struggle in 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 some ways but not to the extent where you would not be able to t- go and buy a coffee for yourself like nobody should be treated like that just because of you know the the kind of pressure that she was under and obviously being chased by the paparazzi for you know decades um but none of that you know n- no behavior would would warrant the restrictions that she was under so I'm just thrilled for her you know that in she's going into her 40 40th year um in this place and I'm so excited to see what comes next for her like what's gonna happen yeah because if you think about it like June the testimony shocked everyone but it did set this chain of events in motion like in July Larry Rudolph her longtime manager he stepped away from working there and saying look she basically told me she wants to retire anyway there's no point in me being here and a lot of people were like hmm Sounds shady, but at least you're out. She got a new lawyer because she had a court-appointed lawyer for a long time. That, I think, changed things because he was much more gung-ho about changing stuff in her life. So, effectively, they were like, we want Jamie Spears, her dad, out of things. By September, Jamie himself had filed to end the conservatorship. And that same month, Brittany said, I'm engaged, which I think people were really excited to hear, to hear that her and Sam Asghari were together. And then the end of September, Jamie Spears is suspended as conservative of her estate, which is significant because... Deserved. Deserved. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say. <laughs> I should have known. Um, which is significant because people are making the point that if he had, he filed a motion to have it ended. If it had ended on those terms, he could have walked away with no investigation into how he did or didn't spend the a mass amount of money he made. Kind of, he would argue his job is to like run Britney Inc. or run her affairs. But the argument was he was scooping like a 10% on a lot of stuff that really he... He was treating himself, it was treating it like an agent or manager's fee when he wasn't really 
brokering a lot of deals and stuff so messy so he gets removed which is exciting because it means okay well they can investigate him and she's away from her dad's control and then mm-hmm. in november in it like i truly was i'm still like it just it's just over a month now since this happened basically a ju- judge decided the conservatorship itself would be terminated there's now i think further things that have to happen around just investigating the money and where things went over the 13 years but like Brittany now she like uh, for nearly a month now is free which or more than a month now is free as you said she's turned 40 she's engaged I mean now I feel like we're in this new era for her and in a way I don't know how you feel about this I think it's going to be an interesting time because I think we have to give her a bit of grace now and a bit of leeway to maybe be a bit awkward maybe mess up a bit maybe say weird stuff on instagram or look a bit baraggled like she has you mentioned the press there earlier she has kind of used instagram to hit back at people like diane sawyer recently and even just say i got popped going to the gas station the other day and i don't actually look like that in those photos here's what i really look like like i do think she's going to have a whole new life ahead of her in terms of navigating all this stuff and talking about publicly and I, I don't know how you feel about how we have to like handle this as well and try and be on her side and let her be a bit messy yeah I think it's just it's as you said it's about giving her like you know the, a bit of leeway and not being judgmental because the way I look at it is you know yes uh, she doesn't act like an average 40 year old woman but she's been treated like a child for her whole life so how would you expect somebody to 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 kind of act in that situation? So, you know, you might find that she's kind of uh, reliving, you know, her early 20s and suddenly experiencing all these freedoms that people get to experience, you know, when they turn 18, when they turn 21. So I think people just need to let her enjoy herself, enjoy her freedom. And yeah, if she comes on with, you know, eyeliner down to her chin or the hair unbrushed, leave her, leave her be. Let her at it. That's what she wants to to do on social media it's hers now the instagram's mm. hers so she can do whatever she wants but yeah i think you know i see a lot of tweets when, when the when it was announced that the conservatorship was, was was terminated and people are like oh yeah hopefully she gets back out on the road i can't wait to see her you know on stage again i don't feel like she wants to do that mm. it's, it's i would her- imagine that the that was the fun of that was sucked out of it for her when it became you know what it became yeah, it's funny because there have been stories kind of just before the hearing about whether or not to terminate the conservative and after that she's apparently still interested in doing music and performing down the road. She just wants a proper break from it all for now. Like I think reading between the lines, I think she still loves dancing because we get so many dancing videos on her Instagram during everything that was going down and now. So she loves, I think, that side. I think she likes being a public person in a way. I think Britney's dream situation would be to like, do like dance classes for kids like she used to do years ago do dance like maybe do music videos and dance related stuff and make music but not have to tour i think the grind of actually being on the road is something she wouldn't do i could see her doing vegas in a slightly less punishing way where she maybe mm-hmm. like even adele style and he does two shows a weekend and then has the week off like i could see her doing it on her terms but i don't see her getting on a jet and going around the world for two or three years even though were she to announce a tour tomorrow obviously there'd be this renewed goodwill towards her because we saw the last show, tour she did which came to Ireland and kind of came after years in Vegas and I think she was a bit burnt out and it, she was kind of phoning it in and it did feel a bit like what are we buying a ticket for like is this person okay yeah. whereas now you could at least go well 
she wants to be here but as you say I'm like I would be happy for her to like not post a thing for a year and just go off and ride rings around herself with that fiance <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely and I think I think her I think if she, Adele and, and if Brittany does could be onto something with that working two days and then having five days off <laughs> that's the dream that's the dream rota in work isn't it two days on five days off we're talking about this four-day work week as a cultural thing, but I'm kind of like maybe the Adele, maybe a weekend with Adele is the model we should all be <laughs> should all be working towards. Okay, so obviously that's like I mean there were so many big stories here. We're not going to get to everything today, but that Britney thing definitely took up a lot of. I think for a certain generation too, it was such a significant one. But like you know, even in couple world, there was a lot of nostalgia and twists and turns this year we're just gonna zoom in on a few couples this year who just i feel like again we would have talked about all these things in detail if pop says we're mm. still alive and kicking so we have to start off with of course something that if you had told me at the start of this year i would not have believed you but the return of not just jennifer lopez and ben affleck but of benifer they're now back together what the fuck <laughs> No, I know, I know. It's like a dream, isn't it? Like, because we talked about this relationship quite a few times um, on Popsessed. We talked about the various gifts that they'd bought each other. I believe there was a diamond encrusted toilet seat rumored for a birthday present. Like these two, I don't know. I'm going to be totally uh, honest here. I don't believe this relationship for a second. And I haven't since, I haven't since the second I heard really? about it. Really? Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> really? <laughs> now I'm not buying it I I mean I kind of am only because it's so out of left field because if you remember like the start of this year the rumors kicked off that they were like in touch because JLo had just come off this big relationship with Alex Rodriguez and they were engaged and that kind of fell apart and Ben was with an actress called Anna de Armas and they spent most of 2020 2020 I should say doing the like paparazzi stroll to get photographed Stop. Camilla and Sean style so like you know, they were very high profile and very public. Do you remember there was that um, photo of Ben Affleck with the cardboard cutout of Anna de Armas under his arm walking into like his house, which was never yeah. explained. Um, so early twenty, <laughs> early this year, we hear of rumors about Benifer. I remember thinking there's no way that just, I just, my thing was, I thought JLo was in such a different place in her life. I don't think she would go back there. But then in April of this year, we saw pictures of them kissing and hanging out and people were fucking freaking out, myself included. Nadling. And then canoodling as the Daily Mail would say and that's <laughs> April and the funny thing is there was months of stories that they're back together it's on it's on we'd seen the photos we kind of knew they did that thing that celebrities do where we know and they know but they won't say anything and then <laughs> in true almost social... like they want us to talk Con, isn't it oh, almost like they want us to talk <laughs> then in July of this year of course it's JLo's birthday she said I'm 50 something and fabulous here's my hot body on a yacht oh by the way slide to carousel slide through the carousel to image 3 or 4 and see me kissing Ben Affleck and it was like okay it's Instagram official they're not playing around now so that was a flex wasn't it JLo to be like it's my birthday. I'm hot. Oh, and I'm kissing Ben Affleck again. Eh. Mm, mm, I'm skeptical. <laughs> I remain skeptical, Con. I love it, though. Obsessed, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I will eat up all the goss and, and everything. But I feel there's something slightly off, slightly disingenuous about this particular relationship. However, I will say that Ben Affleck looks very well at the moment. Um, I know that he has had his own personal struggles, um, but I think he looks great at the Mo and 
I think they're trying to kind of blend their families now together because they've obviously both got kids. Yeah. That's, I would imagine, quite an interesting um, thing to do. So I wish them all the luck now, but I just, I'm not sure if I can see it lasting the tests of time. <laughs> That's just me personally. Oh my God, the shade at all. But I'm, I'm fully invested. It's almost embarrassing how invested I am. And they've obviously, <laughs> there was Met Gala and premieres and they've been like so lovey-dovey anyway i'm i'm very down harry and megan had a big year we're actually i think going to talk about that in another part of the episode because i know you want to talk about the interviews so we'll they obviously had a big year as a celeb couple we're not going to talk about right now but this this is funny because it's like two sisters who had a big year love life wise for different reasons mm-hmm. so obviously we're talking about kim kardashian and courtney kardashian so the start of the year basically around february Kim Kardashian announced that she was divorcing Kanye West. Although Kim seems to still go as Kim Kardashian West, but I just call her Kim Kardashian. I've realized I never actually gave her her full name. I still just call her Kim Gay. But her and Kanye <laughs> officially announced the divorce, obviously. And actually recently, I think she filed legal docs to speed up the split, kind of saying like, oh, like we're, we're done, we're done. Now we kind of, this has been one of those stories that was like in the offing for a while because Kanye was in Wyoming and Kim was back in California with the kids. And the sense was that they had kind of drifted apart anyway and it was only a matter of time i mean were you surprised when kim and kanye announced the divorce because at one point they were the power couple as you would know you drew them i know i know um no i mean i wasn't surprised because these relationships in hollywood tend to not last forever you know i think if if a relationship lasts more than kind of 10 15 years i think that's you know classed as like a very you know, exceptional thing because there's just so many different pressures and, and and stuff that we couldn't even understand. But um, no, I think it was definitely coming down the line. Um, we know that uh, Kanye has struggled with um, his own mental health. And I think that, that manifested in different ways, like on social media. He said a lot of uh, uncouth uh, things about the Kardashians and the Jenners and Chris and stuff about North and how Kim had wanted to have an abortion and all sorts of stuff, stuff that you probably wouldn't say publicly um, if you wanted to keep your marriage on the right track. Mm -hmm. Um, Unforgivable things, I would maybe say. Um, So, no, I was in no way surprised that this relationship came to a ground, to a halt. And yes, she has recently filed, I think it's to become legally single, that's no. what it's called. So it means that me. she can huge me, <laughs> me and the apps. <laughs> you guys, I'm legally single. It's like that meme, you know that famous meme of Kim where it's like, I'm like dropping hints that I'm single. I'm single. <laughs> so that's Kim's 2021 slash 2022 vibe. Although she's not single, is she? Because now we've had. I mean, it's funny. Like obviously, as you say, we weren't really surprised this divorce happened. And Kim has now seemingly gotten a new relationship where her and Kanye do, which we'll get to, but her and Kanye actually do seem very supportive because like she went to the Donda album launch that he was doing in all the arenas and stuff. And, you know, when she was hosting SNL, Kanye was there for most of that week supporting her, which I think made some people think they were always going to go back together. But I do, for all of Kanye's mess, I do like that they are trying to co-parent and be in those lives. I mean, that can't be easy. No, I, I I doubt it. And you know they've got four four kids, four small kids. Um, but I think yeah, I think if they can 
you could just be friends. I think that's, you know, probably what we're looking at here. I saw him doing kind of a public plea for Kim to run back to him um, at a concert <laughs> the other day. Would you be able, like, <laughs> more times? Um, no, I think she's done. I think she's probably quite enjoying her freedom as well, um, as we've seen. So, and she's just passed the baby bar, whatever that is, some log, Sam. So she's flying. She's flying. <laughs> whatever that is, yeah. she's she, Her legal career is imminent. But then, of course, I mean, now the eyebrows are raised because she seems to be dating Pete Davidson, who just, he gets around. I got to say, he's got quite the roster of famous women on his arm. Listen, I was I was on Spotify the other day and I hit shuffle and that Ariana song came up, Pete Davidson. I just thought, I can't believe there's a song dedicated to this guy on an Ariana Grande album. Like, what universe are we living in? Listen, I'm sure he's lovely. I'm sure he's a great guy. Again, this is another relationship I do not believe for a second. No, there's absolutely no way the two of them are seriously dating. I just can't get into it. Why do you think that? I just, I don't see it. I mean, <laughs> I just, I, I, I can't see why the two of, I can't put them together. I think she saw the current trend of you know having kind of a a kind of a scruff tattoos (laughs) scruffy tattoos a boyfriend and I think she saw how much uh PR that Courtney was getting following her romance with Travis um and obviously we've got Megan and Machine Gun Kelly and I think Kim saw that trend and said I want in on that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a fair point because the other big Kardashian romance story this year was Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker of Blink 182. I mean, they were just, again, early this year, it's like, oh, we think they're going out then by Valentine's Day. They're interofficial. They were engaged in October. Like, they've had this whirlwind romance and they're just, they're the like new celebrity power couple when it comes to PDAs. I mean, what is your vibe with Courtney and Travis? Travis. Wow. This is a couple I could get behind. I love these two together. I really do. I just think they're perfect together. They look so cute together. He's really hot. She's gorgeous. You know, they've a rake of kids between them. They're always going off skiing and they're on horses. And <laughs> he, he's he's so romantic. And she has been with that feckin' child, Scott Disick, for, you know, most of her adult life and he's in I just think he's a waste of space and I know he has his issues and I'm not talking about those specifically I've just I've watched basically every episode of the Kardashians up to a point and I just never thought he was good enough for her she didn't have any romance with him mm-hmm. she was kind of minding him a lot like he was such another of her, another child and now like this you know Travis Barker's come in swept her off her feet and brings her here there and everywhere and he obviously he was in a very serious car crash years ago and and never got on a plane again and then she kind of helped him coached him back onto a plane they went on halls together he hadn't been on a plane Mm. in years like and I just feel like that to me they obviously support each other they love each other they're blending their families together her family seemed to love him his kids who were a bit older seemed to love her listen I'd I'd give Anthony to be at that wedding Oh my god, it's gonna be like such a campy, like rock goth wedding. She's like, I want to mm. wear a black wedding dress. Yeah, I don't want to wear white. That's <laughs> so boring. I literally want to be in black, like a fucking rock star. Like, yeah, I can't wait for that. And it's like we know they're filming a new. The family are doing another reality show. So the E show ended this year. 
another big Kardashian story and the rumours are that their new show will kick off sometime in spring of 2022 and we know that they filmed all this engagement stuff and even I think when Kim posted the stuff with the baby bar on Instagram she did like a photo shoot because that's what celebrities do now and you could see (laughs) the camera crew for some kind of reality show in the background so I think it's going to be on our screens sooner than you think another big couple this year and it's not in the Kardashian universe but like it definitely raised eyebrows and they're doing that thing where they're not confirming they're together is Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. They were working on a movie that Olivia's directing called Don't Worry Darling. Harry is starring in that. He was his action career is taking off big time. And they were kind of photographed in the early part of the year being very couple They were at a friend's wedding, like holding hands and snogging. And that's when we all went, oh shit, like it's going down there together. And obviously Olivia Wilde is not that long out of her marriage with Jason Sudeikis. So I think some people were like, oh my God, is this a rebound? What is this? So she's been to his gigs. They've been spotted meeting family and friends and traveling together. They've yet to actually officially do the thing and say, oh, we're dating, which I, I fucking hate when celebrities do this. And I just confirm it. We know. We know. Um, <laughs> Olivia's on the cover of American Vogue at the moment. And she was kind of talking about the controversy or the supposed controversy around this age gap between them because she's 37 and he's 27. And she kind of like, I'm completely paraphrasing, was saying like, you know, I don't. I don't want to live my life by other people's opinions. I'm very happy and I'm the happiest I've ever been. Great. I do find the age gap conversation kind of mad because to me, 27 and 37, yeah, it is an age gap in that there's 10 years, but it's not like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I find that really odd that people are like, are like taken up with that or whatever. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's like, if he was, you know, we know that when he was 16 and 17, he was uh, allegedly seeing other people who were in their, you know, mid 30s. That was weird, right? That was strange because that's a very, very young person. But he's an he's a fully, fully, fully grown adult now. And, you know, when when he's 87 and she's 97. They're not like, yeah, exactly. Who cares? Do you know exactly. what I mean? And I think it's funny because the the age gap conversation is a weird one. Like it's a difficult conversation to have. And I don't know what the answer is because, uh, you know, I've seen loads of people on TikTok, girls who are like 19 and 20 who are dating men in their 40s and the feckin' discourse in the comments and they're saying, well, I'm an adult. And, you know, who are we mm. to challenge that? On a, you know, that's someone's personal choice. But 27 and 37 is like, it, it just doesn't, feel weird it doesn't they're both adults with similar probably life you know what's experience I do find as well like I think part of it I really think some of it comes from the very how can I say this politely engaged Harry Styles fandom which spun out of the One Direction fandom obviously and they would have gotten to know Harry and the rest of that band when they were teen late teens or early 20s and I think they feel there's that cliche of like fans of pop stars who are very protective of them getting with someone else or getting with someone in the public eye because I think on some level there's that thing of the fan thinks one day it'll be me. But also I think there's a generation that have slightly infantilized Harry Styles where they see him as this like 18 year old forest nymph who just prances around <laughs> in nice trousers and is should not be corrupted. And it's like he's a 27 year old man who is... Mm successful wealthy probably i think is one of those rare celebrities where he's very well known but he's actually is very private and he clearly has a solo star 
has learned like how to be much more private and tell us little about himself and so people are projecting this sort of fantasy onto him of he's so young and she's this older woman and it's like when you see them together it doesn't look like two people of vastly different ages like it does like we've seen celebrity couples of all <laughs> of all genders basically where you've gone oh god it looks a bit like someone's man ma taking their fucking son out or their dad and their fucking kid like it does feel weird this i'm like it's yeah. two hot people who are clearly obsessed with each other i don't see the issue no and i but kind of i think it also comes down to if she if she was 27 and mm-hmm. he was 37 he would not be challenged on that yeah in yeah, in the pages of vogue he would not have to you know make excuses or come up with reasons or say whatever he wouldn't be questioned about it because it's because the woman is the older one in the relationship that it becomes this oh you've got a toy boy oh you're a cougar like you know all this crap but if it was the other way around we wouldn't even be having this conversation and that's the tea that's exactly it like it wouldn't even be a thing so that's the year in couples, I mean, that's not even all the couple bullshit that happened. I love how we didn't even bother talking about Camilla and Sean. Snore. Who? Anyway, <laughs> exactly. It's giving chair. <laughs> it's giving chair. Oh, oh that was stop. iconic. That was their only real iconic moment this year. This podcast is sponsored by Hey You, which is the home of the housewives. Every season and every episode of all of the real housewives is available to stream or download right now on Hey You. And it is the only place you will get new episodes the same day as the US. No spoilers here because we are getting stuck straight in thanks to Hey You. You can start a free trial now at HeyU.com. And after that, it's only $5.99 per month, which is like the price of a cup of coffee. And there's no commitments. You can cancel whenever you want. Everything you could need housewives-wise is on Hey You. Let's talk quickly about, before we get into our picks of things we love this year, just a few TV and film bits that we, that kind of stood out to us now. It was obviously, it's like the world we live in now. There is a new show to be obsessed with every five seconds. So we're not going to cover everything because we couldn't. But just a few things, mainly kind of, I guess, reunions or comebacks. So the first one that like... <laughs> I was like, actually, like, I was too good to watch this. Actually, like, I wasn't basic and didn't care. But, like, the Friends reunion, obviously, was one of the big stories of the year. They were meant to come together and film, like, a, I guess, an uns- kind of unscripted, like, documentary thing. Last year, it got delayed because of COVID. There was stories of them getting millions each to do it because, obviously, the interest is huge. So, finally, they got together for HBO Max, this American streaming service and filmed a special that came out in May of this year. And it was a sort of a mix of interviews with the cast together. We saw them revisit the set and all the stuff that they used to film on. They did a kind of a sat around and read from a script, you know, like, you know, re- reliving the glory days. And then they did a whole kind of live with the studio audience thing with James Corden, because, of course, there's not you're legally. Re- James Corden has to record a big, high profile American TV project every three days or somebody dies. It's like a horror film. <laughs> it's The Ring. They're remaking The Ring with James Gordon. The Grudge. <laughs> it's like if you if you say the word TV special in the mirror three times in America, James Gordon. I can't even. your bathroom. James Gordon. James Gordon. James Gordon. Um, Stop that. Stop. He's everywhere. He's, he's everywhere. everywhere. He's, he's, worse, he's worse than COVID. He is the virus. <laughs> he is the fucking virus. Oh my god. Um so that's so that was part of it. So it was a weird blend of like a few different things in one special. I'm curious what you thought of the Friends reunion and like how what did it bring up for you in terms of nostalgia and stuff? I personally I really enjoyed it. I thought it was done very well. Um it 
was a nice mix between kind of, you know, flashbacks and showing different, you know, the kind of famous more famous kind of memories from the show um and then obviously the kind of interviews with the different guys getting them back together and you can tell like it was lovely because you always have this idea when you watch a show like that for so long that oh these people are probably hopefully they're friends in real life Mm. and and they are and I thought that was really nice so there was a few kind of you know saucy revelations you know where where, um, (laughs) saucy revelations (laughs) David Schwimmer had kind of admitted that like him and and Jennifer had kind of you know had an on off kind of nearly mirroring uh, Ross and Rachel where they'd kind of fancied each other for years but they were Mm. always kind of with other people and that that ended up actually with rumors um a couple of weeks or months after the reunion aired where people were like oh apparently they're seeing each other now they're dating nothing ever came from it um but no I thought it was I, I loved it a lot of people I think actually thought it was going to be a, like a recorded episode of the mm-hmm. show but I preferred it the way it was I found it an interesting mix of things because one of the things they did do was they did a few scenes with an audience like it was the show being filmed and we saw them together on set and then there was all the kind of it was in studio but it was outdoors because of COVID but yeah. it was meant to be like a TV studio setup where they had an audience and for me I kind of wanted it to just be like I would have preferred just a documentary with the six of them hanging out on the set and and actually talking about the show more and it being like the history of the show or something because I felt like it was trying to do three different things at once and I think also it's one of those things with any of these big reboots or reunions there's so much like you mentioned some people thought it was just going to be the show like there's so much expectation on these things to deliver on like literally the 10 years the show was on and then the decades of nostalgia that come after and it's like actually you're never going to please everybody because it's like almost impossible. But it's fun seeing them together. And as you say, you kind of watch these things and hope they get on. And I thought it was Friends is one of the rare shows where I do think for the most part they had each other's backs and they I mean, famously, they would they were like a trade union. They like they organized together to get pay rises together and they negotiated their wages together. And I think on some level they knew they were an ensemble and unlike other big shows it wasn't like one of them was the star even though when you look at now Jennifer Aniston is probably the most famous of all of them and the one who's done the most like as a unit they were very they really had each other's back so that was they have great chemistry even now I mean that's Mm. one they have unbeatable chemistry and I think you forget too they've all been I feel like Matthew Perry maybe has had a little more time away from the spotlight because I think he has had some personal struggles. But you realize that really all of them, particularly the female cast members, have been in the public eye kind of nonstop since the show aired. They're all actually, they'll never have a project as big as Friends on its own because how could you? Like just the the culture is so different now, how we watch telly. But like they've Mm. all been big figures in pop culture since. Like they've really, none of them have really gone away. No, that's true. They have consistently worked on later throughout the last kind of 20 years. But it made me, the only thing with these reunions, Con, is they make me feel so old. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I remember being in primary school and we used to, you remember in the morning at assembly, you'd all have to stand in a line and friends used to be on on a Monday night on on RT2 mm-hmm. and everybody we don't we were only like 9 10 11 and my mum used to let us stay up me and my older brother and watch it and everybody who was allowed to watch it would be in the assembly talking about what had happened and you'd have to wait a whole week to watch it again kids these days they don't know how good they have it with streaming and all stuff you have to wait a full week to watch it again I remember that. Yeah, I, that's so funny. I remember like Tuesdays in school, it like, you had to watch it because <laughs> everybody was quoting it and everybody was like, did you see when this happened? Like it absolutely was like 
a thing you had to be a part like and it's funny because in a weird way the social media era has the same vibe with telly like you do feel like you have to watch xyz show the minute it drops so you can be in on the twitter conversation it's like the digital version of the schoolyard it is yes just as mean at times <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally um there's been there was obviously tons of movies of like from art house to blockbusters that came out this year but one that i feel like we would have talked about if we were still doing the podcast it's only fair that we discuss it now because it does star our fave lady gaga was of course house of gucci which is this kind of super buzzed about movie about the life and times of the gucci family particularly Maurizio gucci who was killed by his ex-wife Patrizia Reggiani, who had who basically had a hit put out on him. So it's the story of their relationship and the Gucci family and the fashion brand and how it kind of had this spectacular rise and fall and, and rise again, even as someone in the family died. Directed by Ridley Scott, of course, who did Gladiator and Alien and has done tons of big movies. Big cast, like obviously Lady Gaga's there with Adam Driver, Al Pacino, Jared Leto. But really, I think for most of us, aka you and me the draw was lady gaga so i know you saw the film how did you feel about it slash lady gaga's performance as patrizia i loved it i i really enjoyed it i co- i thought it could have been you know maybe a bit shorter but then i was thinking about the price of cinema tickets and i was like do you know what i got my money's worth you know what i mean um i know i thought she was fantastic and i know there was a bit of kind of you know jovial commentary prior to the film being released about whether or not she was putting on like a Russian accent or an Italian people people didn't know um <laughs> but I thought she was brilliant in it um I thought I didn't actually know the story either which kind of made it maybe a little bit more exciting for me because you know not exciting obviously you know someone died but um I, I had an idea of where it was going genuinely and then it went there and I was like oh <gasps> The ending kind of felt like somebody put their foot on a pedal and just like <laughs> shot through the last kind of five minutes. I would have loved to have kind of heard more about the investigation and yeah. how they caught her in the court case and stuff. She was brilliant in it. Gaga. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you've hit on something very, something that I kind of had issue with. Is like, I, I, I wasn't obsessed with it. I didn't dislike it. I thought it was fine. There's elements that I really liked. There was elements of it that I just was like, oh, like a lot of the creative decisions in that film are so weird. Like it's a film about this over the top Italian fashion dynasty. And yet there's very little visual flair to the film. There's not, it's quite drab. You get the sense that like the costuming and the styling could have been a little bit more thought out or even music wise. There's a disco scene where they just play three Donna Summer songs back to back. And I love all those songs, but it's like, Throughout the film, they do what these what they call needle drop. All these like really obvious songs come in at really random times, and I'm just like, surely you'd want more music that's a little more specific to the era, or even more Italian disco. Mm. Like it just felt a bit that side. Like I just thought there was a, a lack of kind of attention to detail, and I wanted it to be a bit shorter, as you said. But also the last fifteen minutes go into like the death of Maurizio and how Patrizia orchestrated and it's like to me Lady Gaga was so brilliant and so committed in that role I wanted the film to really lean into that side of the story so that we could see just how low she went because she's hinting at it in her performance how this person has because to be fair to Gaga in the film's runtime she sells you Patrizia as this sort of slightly naive but ambitious young woman who falls in love then you see her as this woman who takes control of a fashion empire with her husband and then we see how she feels when she's mistreated and it felt like 
they almost want to look away from that. So, and I understand it's tricky with real life stories because you're, you can't be, if someone has actually died, as you said, so you can't be too kind of like vivid in certain details, but it felt like it wasn't a fully lurid look at a fucking horrible story, but also kind of pulled its punches. And so there I was like, this is almost worse. I feel like you've almost downplayed how she had him killed and how mm. awful that was. So like, I don't know. I'm glad I saw it because I'm such a Gaga fan. And I just, I love, and she's in so many scenes in the film. It's so fun to watch her do her thing as an actor. And it's a star studded cast. I mean, I think Adam Driver's great in it, accent aside. Al Pacino's amazing because he's Al Pacino. Jared Leto, for me, that was one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a film. I felt like I was watching a bad comedy sketch every time he opened his mouth. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I thought he was really funny, but I I genuinely think that was the character he was playing. I think that he was embodying somebody who was excruciatingly painful to be around. Mm. And I I I I I just got the impression that he, you know, he was he was just character that that's exactly what he was told to kind of do. Mm. Um, I saw somebody else on. I I don't think it was you. Some it, it was another tweet. I think someone said it was like watching a Little Britain character or like a <laughs> like a like a sketch show like a like a caricature of of somebody but now i thought i mean i won't i won't i wouldn't say he like stole the, the any scenes or anything like that but he didn't annoy me as much as i've heard you know evidently seen he's annoyed other people <laughs> yeah um but i think that you should be a film reviewer because i would love to see <laughs> On a poster for this it was fine <laughs> <laughs> three stars yeah, yeah it was fine <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you it's a big compliment i loved um for me every time jared leto spoke on the film i was just like is this fucking super mario and he was literally <laughs> he is literally like yeah at one point he was like upset about something and he was like oh i don't know what am i gonna do it's like are you for real i'm also just like in general i'm really tired of like fat suits and like conventionally attractive skinny actors and like i'm gonna put a fake belly on and look gross it's like you know what let a character actor who looks like that do it because i feel like that's actually gonna be much more interesting than you like whacking a prosthetic on but anyway it's worth if you're a gaga fan i do think it's worth seeing just from like seeing this side of her talent and the accents are a bit distracting but there is i mean like it's so quotable some of the stuff she says like mm. it's time to take out the trash i mean come on <laughs> Or what's the thing where Not she's... a particularly ethical person. <laughs> <laughs> or, or um, the whole, I mean, it's a really annoying subplot in the film, but this whole weird subplot about counterfeit Gucci merch. Oh my God, when, that's what they should have cut out. Yeah, when they moved to New yeah. York and he's like, it's the, it's our name. She And she goes, our name, sweetie. That was kind of iconic. So yeah, there's <laughs> moments. It's not a, a bad film. It's just, I think we thought it was either going to be truly brilliant or a camp classic. And it's actually neither. It's nothing mm. of the sort, Stephanie Pollard. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll finish by saying it would have been a really, really good Netflix five-parter or four-parter. Mm. And maybe with an extra episode thrown at the end that actually went into what happened. <laughs> um, but yes, as you said, well worth going to see. Defo, go and see it. <laughs> So it's like such faint praise. If we, if you say we were the <laughs> film reviews put on the poster, they'd be like, yeah, go. Oh, it's grand. Yeah, go. Yeah, no, yeah, it's grand. I'd, I'd see it. Holly Shortall, I'd watch it. Connor being, yeah, it's all right. It was fine. And then Lady Gaga wins the Austin. She's like, and to the critics who said, 
Yeah, it's fine. Thank you. <laughs> um, before we wrap, <laughs> before we wrap film and telly, we'd be remiss not to mention the reunion that just in December alone has like caused so much conversation and I guess controversy. Now we're talking about this show having only see, seen two episodes. I think by the time this airs, there'll be a couple more out there in the world. We are, of course, discussing. And just like that, the Sex and City revival, which saw, you know, Carrie, Miranda, Charlotte, no Samantha, and then a bunch of new characters kind of on our screens for a new updated take on a show, which obviously started in the late 90s, was huge in the the early 2000s, has never gone away thanks to streaming and repeats on telly and box sets, and then the two movies. So since the last movie came out in 2012, so really it's been nearly 10 years since we've been with these characters. So how did you feel having it back and... From just the first two episodes, what is your vibe with this new iteration? Iteration, yeah. as you might say. Iteration. I, I, I had some thoughts for sure. Um, I kind of, and I did tweet about this actually. It kind the way it was positioned. Um, you know, they've got all these new diverse characters in, which is fantastic. Um, to see, and the show looks just so much more beautiful and vibrant and you know all these people have kind of their own style and Mm -hmm. and everything like that but what I didn't enjoy was that all these characters were kind of introduced as we were meeting them as this as Miranda and Charlotte and Carrie were were meeting them so it kind of felt to me like uh, the girls had got into a time machine in 2012 or you know when the show when the (laughs) show itself wrapped and we're just jolted into 2021 and just landed in that restaurant and we're suddenly like (laughs) Oh my God, people, we, people have pronouns now. Oh, you know, people, you know, this, that, and the other, like, it was just, it was like, they, they had just missed the last 15 years, 15, 20 years and had just landed now. now. And it, we, I kind of felt like people were bombarded with, um, you know, wanting to appear like they kind of were very relevant and they knew what was happening now and what to say and what not to say and everything like that it was just it was a little bit overwhelming to the point of feeling a bit insincere and overproduced they are trying though which is good and I think it's important that you know these conversations are are kind of had um, on TV, especially for that type of audience, maybe people who are a little bit older than us, even, mm-hmm. you know, who are like the original, the OG fans. But yeah, it just felt, it, it felt like they were trying a little bit hard. Like I would have liked maybe if, you know, Miranda obviously has this, you know, gorgeous, um, highly intelligent black, uh, is it a tutor? I believe she is. No, her, professor. She's a professor. professor. Yeah. Sorry, that's the word um, at her college. But like, it, to me, it would have been great if like, Miranda was a couple of years into that course and they were now friends and it was just was a bit more natural and less like you know <laughs> Miranda putting her foot in it just because the woman is black yeah I think in a way the first episode was just a lot of exposition and within that exposition they were trying to say look how much has culturally shifted even just in 10 years and how these women are reacting whereas as you say I think the beauty of it being a TV series versus another film is that we do have as we're talking like a good six episodes left so I do feel like that's where I wanted to bed in and just as you say let these new characters and these different perspectives grow alongside the women so it doesn't feel like this clunky thing of like oh Miranda's like having a Karen moment or she's an over eager white liberal and it's more just Miranda has a broad range of people in her life because that's what like life in New York looks like for a lot of people because it is a very diverse city so yeah I found the first episode a a tad clunky at times because they were trying 
And that's the impossible task of coming back to a bunch of characters after 10 years is that first time you see them, you have to, what happened to Samantha? What are you all doing now? Oh, Carrie's on Instagram. Like they just have so much heavy lifting to do. And I think they kind of went helpful either with that. And even I found the second episode, which I mean, I feel like by the time this is out, we can say what happens at the end of episode one because it'll be like weeks later. Yes. Gotcha. If you okay, haven't sorry. watched it by now, you deserve <laughs> to have it spoiled. <laughs> okay, sorry. I thought you were like, I think we should wait. Um, end of episode one, obviously, you know, Mr. Big carries long time love. Her husband dies, which I did find shocking, but also had been rumored to be the plot of the third film that didn't happen a few years ago. So in a way, I'm like, they've clearly had this part of the Carrie story in mind for a while. So that changes the tone of the show straight away and then also the second episode is a lot about the funeral and where Carrie is now and I think if Carrie's going into this new phase in her life I think meeting new people and having new perspectives like you know a non-binary podcast host that's her boss like that kind of I think it will become more organic but I do think at times I also think the tone was a bit rickety in that they didn't quite know you could I get the sense that Michael Patrick King who oversees this version of the show and has been instrumental in Second City since like the third season and the films etc I have watched other things he's written where he's been quite snarky about the changes in culture and I wonder I could never quite land watching episodes if they were glad that things things happened or were trying to take the piss or doing both and it's kind of like they're afraid to like go there but they're also pulling their punches so we'll see how later episodes handle it but I mean I I have to say, I enjoyed the two episodes and I'm glad it's back and I already like it better than I liked the second film, which is a very low bar, but it's a bar they have at least jumped say. over. That bar, they've jumped over that bar. I think, um, you know, the show was always about Carrie being single, wasn't it? So I think it makes sense in a way to put her back in that position. Um, but just to, to, lastly, I hate, hate the way that they've handled the Samantha thing. I think it's so inorganic it comes across really it's quite jarring um as you as you might say um and yeah no I just felt like I, I felt like it would have been kinder to just kill her off because she's not going to come back to that show I mean I would bet my life on it that's that that Kim Cattrall is never going to do anything related to this the the Sex and the City franchise again so I wonder are they circling her or like I mean my thing is like I respect why Kim Cattrall doesn't want to do it I I kind of see both sides in the Kim SJP thing where I don't think Sarah Jessica Parker thinks she's the villain and I, I get the vibe that she's probably okay-ish to work with but obviously if Kim's like I'm out I'm over it I didn't I want to move on like that's fair enough like because mm. she must be walking away from a lot of potential money because the rumor is is that the women are getting anywhere between six hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars an episode if not more to work on this new version and that's eight episodes that's a big check if you think about it so mm. Kim Cattrall like if she just wanted to make the money and turn up she could you know what I mean like she could be like hi girls I'm here to get eight million and then fuck off like yeah she must really not want to do it to me I think she looked at it as a job we've all had jobs that we we did we did them for a certain number of years or months or whatever you don't want to do it anymore and they might say to you well look what if we give you a salary thing you know increase or extra few days off and the answer is always going to be no I've drawn a line under it. I've got one foot out the door. I don't want to work there. And I just feel like it's like any employer trying to lure somebody back who doesn't want to work there. You're just not going to go, you know? She's drawn a line under it. And I think, I just feel like it would have been kinder just to fucking bump her off. 
Yeah, although I do think, given that they were, they've killed off Mr. Big, and I mean, this is not something they could have predicted, but sadly, Willie Garson, who played Stanford, died, you know, after filming a few episodes of the show. So I would imagine, I think it's probably good that they haven't thrown that in the mix as well. I quite like that Samantha's still alive and they've at least given some reason for her not being there. Because I think if they had just, like, I was like, what if they just keep like, oh, she's running late. <laughs> oh, she's meant, oh, she's stuck in traffic. She's going to miss the funeral. Like, I was like, are they going to do some bullshit thing where she just doesn't, tr- she, she's just out of frame in every scene. Like, you know, or do you know, like, like, I don't know, someone like with a wig on and their back turn goes, fabulous. And they just pretend she's there. I don't know. So we'll see it. I'm curious how the season will unfold because by the time this drops, there'll be more episodes out and we'll have a better idea. So I'm kind of, I'm glad it's back. You know, my thing with it is like Sex and City was big at the time, obviously, and was actually kind of like for all, it was all its flaws then and now it was a game changer. And the kind of what we've, what we've put on it as like, you know, the fantasy of living in New York and going for cocktails and re-watching it and, like, making it this thing that we all have as a cultural touchstone. Like, the show is not going to be the same because it was about a bunch of women in their 30s in the early 2000s. So it's like, I'm all for these characters in an updated version because why not? Like, that's more interesting to me than just trying to rehash the same storylines. Mm. And I think people are kind of forgetting, too. Like, the original show got a lot of things wrong, but it was also about social issues. They talked about gender um like sexual politics and money and class and status all the time this idea that mm. and sometimes it was clunky so this idea that like you know of course certain outlets are like oh they've gone woke and they're talking about blah, blah i'm like sorry this show always talked about shit it was never like i find it funny now the way people way some people are talking about sex and the city i'm like this is less about the show and what you perceive the show to be mm-hmm. and what you perceive these shows to be because Sure, it was probably a bit lighter hearted because nobody fucking died and they were younger. But like they got into heavy shit on that show, like mm-hmm. as if, you know, like I just find some of the tone. I'm like, you're this is not about the show. This is about you being annoyed that like certain shows are not just a bunch of white people, white peopling around for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there's plenty of that on Netflix. Go find it. So like, I don't know. I just we'll see. I mean, it, I think actually as well, the beauty of it being a TV show is like, yeah, we all got obsessed with those first two episodes and we're all talking about it now, but like it will actually, over the course of a few months, we can take our time with it, maybe go back, rewatch it, like actually decide how we feel versus if it was just a two-hour movie, after the first weekend of it, everyone be like, yeah, it's shit. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it's kind of done, whereas at least over a few months, we might kind of go, oh, I actually really enjoyed it or, yeah. you know, it has time to grow a bit. Oh, definitely. Listen, I'm for all all my my criticisms and my critiques. I'm love. I love it. It's a great show, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the, how it pans out. Yes. Okay. Well, before we go, one last thing we're going to do, kind of quickly, is look back on just things we loved about this year from pop culture. So we're going to do three things each, one at a time, back and forth, just to see where we land. So, Hall, I'll let you tell me your first thing, and then I'll do my first thing. Amazing. Okay, well, I am going to go all the way back to January 2021. Um, and my first kind of pick of 2021 is Drag Race UK season two. Oh, my God. Um, I know. It's so hard to believe that that was this year. Yeah, I, I, know. To, <laughs> I know. I had to properly like Google this and be like, was that this year? Um, it was like a phenomenon, Um, this particular season. It came at a time when... I just feel like we all needed that bit of 
you know, respite from the pandemic and lockdown um, in January. Um, you know, we were we were plunged into into lockdown in uh, straight after Christmas. Um, there was death, but the deaths were higher than they'd ever been. Um, and we suddenly had this bit of relief, um, this escapism every Thursday to kind of just tune out. It became in this house the event of the week. Like Dan and I, like I would come, I don't eat steak, but I would make him a steak dinner. We would have a couple of bottles of, you know, we'd have a Prosecco or a bottle or two of red wine. And we would sit there for an hour and watch, you know, Bimini and Lawrence and Tace and Ellie. Like we'd watch all the queens and we just devoured it and it was just such a highlight for me um of this year I think I needed looking back we needed that like more than we actually realized yeah and it 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 was one of those things where like the first UK season was very good the second one was even better and I think it was a good season as it was that would have connected with viewers at any time but particularly the time that it did hit it just felt like it was exactly what we needed and also, the fact that unlike, you know, generally every version of Drag Race, they tend to film four to six weeks or whatever it is, and they bash it out and then it's edited and airs a good year later. Whereas this season, they started filming in 2020 and took like, I think, nearly eight months off and came mm-hmm. back for this sort of back end of the season or really two thirds of the season. And like that in itself definitely changed the vibe of the season. And you could see in the show that like, certain queens had come back ready to go. Certain queens couldn't come back because they had got COVID or they were a close contact and they couldn't film. So like, it just felt like there were twists and turns in it and it felt like a fresh take on the format. So yes, I would agree. I think it was a highlight of 2021. And I'm because we've had UK season three and Drag Race has had other seasons, the US version and there's been international ones. It's just like, oh yeah, fuck, that was this year. Like if that feels like it happened two years ago. Literally, it's hard to believe that that was this year. This year was both the longest and the shortest year of my life. <laughs> right, yeah. Veggies. Yeah, I think it was the exactly both of those things. Okay, so my first pick, and obviously this is a real Housewives podcast, so I was kind of like, oh, should I or won't I talk Housewives? There's been so many great Housewives seasons this year that have been discussed in detail on this podcast. So I was like, oh, okay, how do I just pick one? But I think I need to pick this because it's a recent one, but it's like something that at the start of this year I would not have predicted happening and being so good. So I'm going to pick... Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, which of course was seven women from across the franchises coming together to hang out in a girls trip in Mexico. And just, it's seven episodes, each episode is a day on the trip. And just realizing that A, it was even better than we could have hoped for. Sorry, A, it was better than we could have hoped for. And B, it just kind of shows that like this beast that I'm now doing a podcast about, this franchise just has such legs in it because it's about these women that we have spent years watching and then getting to see people from different shows come together and I know that you haven't seen it but it breaks the fourth wall which is mad so like someone from Housewives of Beverly Hills is like oh that's mm-hmm. so funny on our show we wouldn't do that where someone on Atlanta is like oh on our show that's not even a thing at all like just them talking about being famous it felt like a whole new because we've had all stars at Drag Race so I wasn't sure what to expect in the Housewives world but they really and a few times they refer to themselves as the all stars I think at one point it was probably Bill <laughs> it was billed as an all star season so yeah, I mean, I could have just sat here and talked about every Housewife season, so I won't. But I think I had to give it up for Girls Trip. I just, what a revelation. Like, just, just no messing around. Seven women who are, eight women who know exactly what they're doing on camera. A whole new world for Housewives. God knows where they're going to take that format in the next few years. Amazing. And would you recommend, so if anybody was listening to this who 
was listening to, you know, for, Just, for you and I, we'll say, as opposed to maybe somebody who watches Housewives, would you recommend that maybe it's somewhere to start or? Um, yes, in a way, because there's so many flashbacks and like explainers of who they all are dotted throughout the show. So it's a good introduction to people. I think if you're someone who's maybe only watched one Housewives City, this is a good one to get to know some of the women from the other franchise and see how you feel about them because I know people who are like oh I watched Jersey and Atlanta but now I'm getting to know the women from New York or whatever like it's a good introduction to some kind of key players across Real Housewives because it's people like you know it's some heavy hitters there so yeah and it's also seven episodes and it's very easy to watch because they're on holiday and each day episodes a day of the trip so like it stuff happens every day like it moves at mm. such a great pace Okay, and um, where can we watch it? On Hey You, of course, darling. Okay. I might, you're kind of selling it to me. You're selling it to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, moving on to my second pick of the year. Um, you know, Con, uh, that I am not, as I've mentioned before on our prior podcast, Popsess, not a royalist, but I have to say. <laughs> She's in England I, now. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely was just stunned by the uh, Oprah special with Meghan and Harry. So that was just a couple of days after my birthday in March. And it just blew the socks off everybody. The revelations were insane. Mm. Um, Meghan, who, in my opinion, is probably the most beautiful woman in the entire world, um, you know, kind of, you know, critiqued the British monarchy as an institution there was revelations of, of, you know, anonymous individuals who they didn't name who had made ghastly comments um, about the, the potential colour of the unborn um, Archie's skin and how, you know, that might come across for the for the royal family um they kind of discussed you know his title and whether or not he was going to actually get a title like any other member of the royal family would get um his personal security was taken away you're talking about one of the most famous couples in the world having their Mm -hmm. security taken away they were kind of financially cut off um it was nominated for loads of awards uh in america the, the the special and yeah i just thought it was like it was it was up there with you know and I know this is a it's kind of later come out that this was a, a very dodgy interview with the Martin Bashir yeah and Diana interview from the the kind of uh, mid nineties um it was just you don't get insight like that into the royal family um it's so rare maybe it just maybe it does come around you know once or twice a uh, once a decade or something like that or every couple every century or something but it was just like the the revelations that came out of that and I don't know the royal family abolish the royal family that's what I say (laughs) Meghan and Harry I think are okay I think they're decent people I think what's interesting too is I mean you hit on something there that's very accurate that the those kind of sit down interviews that everybody watches and everybody tunes into at the same time and everybody's shocked by don't happen in the same way because the way just we consume news and media has changed so much or now celebs will go on social media and sort of correct the record themselves almost straight away and there was something almost nostalgic about watching Oprah sit down with big name stars who don't really do interviews like that and go okay what happened tell me more and you know like the main interview was full of stuff and then there was all these extra clips that were airing on kind of ancillary shows in US TV because it was on the US network CBS and just the amount of stuff they opened up about and just I mean Oprah still does like Super Soul Sundays and an Apple TV series where she does a lot of interviews but like I think that big ticket 
everyone watching at the same time Oprah interview hadn't happened in a while and just like remembering what a great interview she is I know Oprah's mm-hmm. a pop culture figure and she can be a little bit kind of like almost a parody of herself at times but just being like oh this person knows how to like get the facts out of somebody and get like the juice out of an interview in a way few ever do so it was just it's just kind of it was I don't say it was fun to watch Oprah do the interview because it wasn't a fun interview but it was it was fascinating to watch her do a big big interview like that because obviously her main talk show was full of interviews like that back in the day so it just it felt weirdly like the throwback but also yeah I think the conversation and what they got into was a new era for how the media talks about the royal family and the fallout from it has been real I mean some of the back and forth and some of the like casual racism that has emerged in relation mm-hmm. to the interview is like hard to stomach but that's also not surprising because it's an inst- you know people trying scrambling to protect an institution and that's what happens when people speak out against institutions the institution goes hold on a minute and they use everything in their power to like push back so yeah it was definitely full of of revelations yeah Jaffo. it was yeah as you said it wasn't fun to watch but it was just fascinating yeah okay my I feel so weird making this big now because it's so less serious (laughs) I I'm just gonna say this I for my next pick for 2021 I have two words Candy Muse (laughs) (laughs) who appeared on RuPaul's Drag Race US season 13 some people were a little bit hard on season 13 they felt it was a few episodes too long the rumor going around was that they were meant to do another season of the celebrity drag race and they couldn't because of covid so they extended season 13 which made me think that could be true Uh because it felt about three weeks too long but i really loved a lot of the queens on this season of drag race us i there's something so comforting to me about the american show and the routine of watching it every week and obviously i adore simone who won the season like i think simone is kind of a game-changing like genius level queen who's going to be around for years to come I thought God Mick was like an amazing makeup artist Rose wouldn't have been my favorite but I understand why people liked her there was great queens on the season but mm-hmm. I just fucking love Candy Muse <laughs> I just think she's great television she's funny she's charismatic she's one of those people who feels like she's just being herself in a really fun way but also I think she's a really entertaining queen like I get that on the show on Drag Race this season she didn't always have the best runway looks and people were like oh my god blah 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 outfit was awful I'm like yeah but she's I went to see her in a, at a show in a bar or whatever I'd be entertained she to me is actually for all of Drag Race's obsession with visual polish mm. and people being Instagram friendly I'm like she to me reminds me of the queens who work in bars and do the hard graft and turn up and do the shows and are charismatic and are performers first and character second and I just found her endlessly watchable and like I'd love to see her live at some point in the near future. Like, I just think she's great. And I'm always like sharing her Instagram stuff in my story. And I think people think I'm being ironic. And I'm like, no, I think she's fucking brilliant. Like, I adore Candy Muse. Like, I just think she's also, sorry, her makeup is fucking stunning. She's beautiful. She's stunning. She's stunning. And I love the, um, I love the meme of her sitting alone in the VIP section. <laughs> I love that meme. That for is like, that's like my favorite meme. It's, she's so, so funny. I think, you know what? I think there was, it can feel sometimes like we're just overwhelmed with drag race. It's just, it's yeah. like bang, bang. Like just every day that just seems like it was Canada, <laughs> Spain, you yeah. know, UK, America. But I think, yeah, like that sometimes a queen just resonates with you out of the, the whole bunch and just becomes a, a fave. I just adore her. And I also yeah. find the way some people don't like her really 
interesting because I'm like, I get that she was a bit of an antagonist on the show, but like, people are like, oh, she just, she's just like annoying or she's doing too much. I'm like, okay, but if she wasn't there, you'd be fucking bored. So like, what do you want? <laughs> so anyway, I'm a Candy Muse apologist, a Candy Muse stan. Follow her on Instagram. You won't regret it. That's, that's <laughs> one of my picks for the year. So we've both had a Drag Race theme to it anyway. Wouldn't be like us. <laughs> um, well, my last one is, it's not really like a fave moment, but it's definitely a situation uh, that's ongoing for almost a year now that I have enjoyed following. And that is um, Little Mix. Oh, Jesse Nelson, God. who obviously left oh. the band a year ago this month, um, which apparently came as a surprise to the rest of the band. And, you know, they released a statement in support of her, but it 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 kind of transpired later on that she hadn't actually told them in person and they found out through their lawyers, allegedly. Um, so oh, kind of God. fast forward, fast forward to May 2021, you know, the, the girls won um a Brit Award, first female made history, and that must have no, that must have stung. They won British Group the first time group. a girl band has yes. won that, which is meant when we think of the history of great girl bands, which to their credit they mentioned in their speech. They did. They didn't mention the Saturdays, though. Apparently, <laughs> someone was like, "They didn't mention Saturdays." I'm like, "Yeah," and like, I'm like, "Can we all collectively just take a breath when it comes to Saturdays?" I think the mm-hmm. mega mix has some of us fooled into thinking they were more of a moment than they were. Anyway, tea, um, and you know, she 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 obviously wasn't there, and she did publicly kind of you know on her Instagram stories, she just put up a picture of them winning the awards, Jesse and, and the kind of three clap mm-hmm. emojis. Um, but then she didn't publicly congratulate Perry or Leanne when they had their babies. Um, babies. So, you know, fans were a bit, you know, thinking that was a bit sketchy. And then in August this year, she it, it, it kind of transpired that they were no longer on speaking terms. Um, and I think the public kind of opinion of, of the breakdown of that relationship, I guess, was, was very much so kind of siding in favor of the girls I think that they had maybe gone about it maybe a slightly better way than Jessie had and then of course in October we had the release of her uh single <laughs> boys and the kind of interviewing well, I'm about um you know her kind of appropriating black culture and, and black fishing a uh, huge conversation kind of online around that and you know we've just recently a couple of days ago little mix have celebrated 10 years since they won um x factor first girl band ever to win and jesse has become a meme um following her performance at the jingle bell ball <laughs> she's literally become a meme it's just how, how this is how this has gone from, you know, these four, what we thought were kind of besties, you know, yeah. going to be together forever to, you know, uh, wh- where it is now, Jesse's career, which I feel is just being mismanaged and marketed in such a fucking weird way. Mm. Like, I, I don't work in music promotion, but I do work in marketing and, and communications. And I just feel like, I, I feel like the people around here are almost taking the piss. Mm. Um, and... Uh, the most probably stinging part of it is all as if she had just hung on for another year. They've just announced that they're all taking a hiatus anyway to do their own things. So that must kind of be a bit of a kick. But she she left because she wanted to leave. But it's just been very interesting kind of watching this unfold over the last year, how it has. Yeah, it's been a weird story because I think there's a lot of, there was some goodwill because we know that Jesse Nelson was bullied very badly by mm-hmm. the media and social media and was struggling with their mental health, which I don't think anyone dates for a second. And I 
when she said she wanted to do her own thing away from the pressure of comparisons with her girl band compadres I was like totally get that and I do think that the other three girls have always displayed a grace in terms of saying we'll we'll have your back if you need to do this you'll need to do this it didn't feel like a bitter split where they were like you know arguing over money or something but then the tail end of this year and how Jesse's solo campaign had all this hype behind it for a not great comeback single and the song did okay but not great and she does that Instagram live at Nicki Minaj where Nicki goes after Leanne it just all feels a bit the the way it has gone down has been a bit weird and it has felt a bit odd when the rest of the group are celebrating the 10 years and then also announcing the break after the tour next year. We'll see. I mean, Jessie is very talented and I, I do think people want her to succeed, but also I think the last few months have just felt tone deaf and as you say, badly marketed. I, I'm, I'm just amazed at an artist at her level of fame does not have someone around her going, it's fine that you like R&B and, and you know, black culture from the US, that's amazing, but as a white woman going into that world, we just need to handle this in a way where it's clear that you get that. And it has felt like the opposite. The whole thing has felt like a weird, like, it just has felt, it feels like a different person, you know? And not in a good way of mm-hmm. like, oh, she's so artist, it's her own thing. It just has felt bizarre. And I, I the, some of the conversations that come out of it have just been really grim. Like, I feel for someone like Leanne, who came out last year and spoke about the racism she faced in the music business, to think that one of her kind of ex-man mates has sort of allowed someone as high profile as Zicky Minaj to kind of publicly bash her weird mm. it's weird and the crap thing is Lil Mix are still a great group and I do think as a three piece they have a connection and a there's a potential there for them to do amazing things should they want to come back after the break or whatever so we'll see yeah. but yeah it's been mad it's been mad but if I'm being honest I think I prefer them as a trio I think it just feels better I don't know why can't mm. explain it yeah so oh well. that's that, my that- three Okay, my last one, I'll just do very quickly because my Spotify wrapped really just underlined for me that it like I've spent a year being obsessed with this, so I have to cop to it is, I'm going to even say the name wrong, is a Ukrainian queen who sings in Russian called Laboda, <laughs> who is my most played artist of 2021, who apparently I'm in the top 0.01% of listeners for. So I'm going to shout her out because I've realized strictly since Spotify wrapped came out that this woman's music, which I literally have no idea what she's singing any of her songs has been like the soundtrack to my year and I think sometimes discovering like an artist who sings in a different language that is just like you've just stumbled upon you end up it's like this whole new discovery because you're kind of trying to figure out the artist on your own terms and like google translating everything versus like oh they're always in the papers or you grew up listening to them it's just been this funny like side project like music project for me to like just get into this person's tunes and she's kind of like Kylie and Lady Gaga's like weird Eastern European cousin like she's this blonde bombshell who's gorgeous but all the songs are like dance pop bangers and then you watch her videos and they're almost all about death and dying and like weird zombies I'm like this is truly truly something that would never happen in the English language pop world so yeah she is one of my highlights of the year because I was just like you know what I clearly listen to this person's music a lot more than I realized (laughs) how did you discover her so it was through Drag Race fave Katya who released a song last year yes. called Ding Dong, which was like a parody of one of Laboda's songs called Boom Boom. And I, w- I watched Katya's video and thought, oh, this is so funny. And I was like, this song is actually really catchy because it's based on someone else's song. So I went mm. to watch the original just out of curiosity. And then I was like, who is this woman? Like she saw all these videos. Let me just go down the rabbit hole. And I did. And that was tail end of last year. And then that just carried into this year. So 
Yeah, and I feel like I'm always mentioning her in passing on social media. I'm like, people are going to think I'm absolutely <laughs> mad that my most played artist is like singing in Russian. I love it. And to be honest, I think that you've just done a better uh, marketing and PR promotion for her than Jesse's entire team has done <laughs> for her. Yeah, if you want to hire us, Jesse, you can reach out after the show. All right, well, that's a very eclectic, but like I think very us uh, set of things that we love this year. Before we go, if people want to find you on social media or anything, where can they do so? Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at Holly Shortall. Yeah. And in, are we doing, are we mentioning Instagram or Wanda's Instagram even? Oh, yeah. Follow Wanda. Wanda the dog. <laughs> okay. Follow <laughs> like Wanda. Chris Jenner. Yeah. <laughs> hey, doll. <laughs> well, listen, this has been a blast. I mean, happy Christmas. Thank you for joining me to recap a very weird year. I mean, I'll see you again in 2022, I guess. I know. I'll probably see you at Christmas. We'll say. I mean, in the podcast world, but we will hopefully see each other oh. at Christmas. Yes. <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll see each other for Christmas. But yeah, Hall, thank you very much for... Thank you. ...for recapping 2021 with me today. Loved it. I loved it. And also, before we go, I think we should say thanks to everybody who uh, listened to Popsest, our old podcast, over the last year because yeah. it was on quite a few people's Unwrapped, or not Unwrapped, wrapped, Spotify Wrapped. Yeah. Spotify Wrapped um, this year, which was really nice and kind of inspired us nearly to get together and do this. Yeah, because I had thought, oh, maybe I'll do this again because we did it last year. And I thought, oh, fuck it. Like, let's definitely do it again. So, yeah. Fuck thank it. you, everybody. Fuck it. Thank you to everybody who had Popsess <laughs> and or Hexwise and me on their Spotify wraps. That was truly a nice surprise to see this year. All right. Thank you, Hall. I will hopefully see you at Christmas. Bye. That was Holly Shortall and our year in review special here on Hexwise and me. That was a lot of fun to do. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you... Maybe you agree or disagree with our takes on the couples of 2021 or the Britney stuff. I don't know. Anyway, you can find Holly on Twitter as well, at Holly Shortall. And on Instagram, I'll put a link to her dog, Wanda, her Instagram page, because Wanda is the cutest little dog ever. You can find this show on social media at Housewives and Me. And you can find me on social media, it's Connor Bean, on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're listening to the show and you like what you heard, you can leave a rating or a review. And don't forget to follow to hear new episodes every single Tuesday. Thanks again to Holly for her time and for joining me for a chat. Obviously, we're mates, but it's lovely to talk about pop culture in this kind of lengthy podcast length way. That was really enjoyable. And thank you to everybody who has supported the show in 2021. I can't believe we're going into a new year. This is so crazy. Uh, We'll be back with the Housewives chats next week. But until next time, stay safe. Thank you very much for listening and have a happy new year. This podcast is sponsored by Hey You, the home of the Housewives, with every episode and every season of The Real Housewives available to stream or download. You can head over to heyyou.com and get yourself a free trial. And after that, it is only $5.99 a month, which is like the price of a cup of coffee. Plus, there is no commitment you can cancel any time. I know January is duvet day time. You might want to take one of those for yourself just to get, you know, into the swing of things in the new year. Don't worry. Hey You has you covered. On Mondays, you will get new episodes of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Thursdays, the OGs of the OC, Real Housewives of Orange County, is back. And on Fridays, we will turn the heat up even in January with the return of The Real Housewives of Miami. That is a really stellar lineup of our faves. I think we have plenty to look forward to even in January. That is the power of Hey You. So head over to heyyou.com now and try it out for free.